and welcome to the prequel at the end of the book, uh, the Winchesters podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel, Jen, and Lyd, and we're back with the last episode of our Jerry Natural miniseries before the Winchesters officially premieres on October 11th. We're super excited. Also today, we have a very special guest with us. If she would like to introduce herself, that would be awesome. Hi, I'm Cass. You might know me better as Violet Matter from Twitter, Imogen by Night um, from AO3, or the Violet Captain from Tumblr. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Just, I mean, just so people like know who you are, we've done this with every new person we've had. Um, how did you get into Supernatural? And then what are you most excited for about the prequel? What are you looking forward to the most? Um, well, I got into Supernatural way back um, in between when season five finished airing and season six picked up my friend loaned me the first four seasons on dvd and i blasted through them and it's yeah i've never looked back (laughs) Um, (laughs) i didn't really join fandom until like sort of straight away i joined fandom after i watched the end for the first time i got to the end of that episode and my like shipper radar went off and i googled (laughs) does anyone else think there's something between dean and Cass? Um, and then, you know, that's Turned how I got people into fandom. Yeah, apparently it was a common a common uh, thought. Um, so yeah, that's how I showed up here. But yeah, for the prequel, I'm really a big fan of tragedy. <laughs> and I kind of feel I'm just approaching the um, the prequel as a a tragic story because we know how like we know how it's gonna end for them to some degree. So I'm really excited to see how we get from yeah from like the fun um like optimistic type of people that john and mary are at the beginning to who they're going to become in the end and how they get there um also i'm really psyched to see dean on screen again um even if it's only a little bit i'm so excited to see him again when that trailer first dropped and i saw him i was like it's him yeah (laughs) my boy (laughs) i i I did tear up like i wasn't oh yeah Oh, I cried. I started crying. (laughs) I I, I didn't need him to be in it to be excited, but like, and I was like, okay, cool. He's in it. That's fine. Whatever. But as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Like I didn't realize how much the finale impacted me until I saw him on my screen again. Yeah. Oh, Oh, he's back. (laughs) To what you said about, you know, them going from like, you know, rather fairly optimistic, you know, uh, and happy John and Mary to like what we knew them as on the show um there was an interview that dropped with drake rogers this roger rogers i think it's this week yeah roger yeah this week where he basically was like yeah the way i see it is the story is like the degradation of john and you know mary being doomed to sort of repeat this family history which was like it was so exciting to read because that's what I've been saying the whole time about (laughs) this prequel and people haven't been listening and now I'm like yes we've got the confirmation and it's really just like I'm really excited to see how the as you said the tragedy plays out yeah that wording was so amazing I know right I read it and I was like I swear to god I have used this wording to describe what the prequel will be before (laughs) (laughs) what, what I hate is that they casted Drake casted cast whatever and going through like some of the high quality promo images that were released earlier last week and just being like oh my god he's so adorable and then just like remembering what's coming down the line and i'm just like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) it looks like sammy oh fuck (laughs) i don't want to cry actually 
And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind for this episode as well as like, you know, where John ends up because we're actually going to be talking a lot about Dean and Sam's childhoods. We're going to look at a bunch of episodes from over the course of the show, but the three sort of big ones are Something Wicked from season one, Bad Boys from season nine, and After School Special from season four. So, you know, it's going to be a very Sam and Dean centric episode. So like, why are we talking about this for a prequel podcast? But because of, you know, in the prequel being who he is and then becoming who he is and how he treats Dean and Sam, I think is just important to keep in mind for both parallels that we will probably end up seeing between characters and also just to like, you know, be very clear that while we're excited to see what this, you know, young and optimistic John looks like, we by no means forget who he ended up being and how he treated his children. There is a content warning for this episode, just so people are aware. There will be some like general discussion of child abuse. Anyone wants to nope out of it or skip to the end to hear some theories from fellow listeners, you are more than welcome to for this one. And yeah, I think we're just gonna, gonna jump right in. So the first episode up is Something Wicked. And this episode deals with Sam and Dean hunting a Striga? Do I pronounce that right? Yeah. <laughs> I can never pronounce it. Um, a kind of witch-like being that feeds on the life energy of children. The hunt is interspersed with flashbacks to the last time John and Dean tangled with this particular monster, revealing that the Striga attacked Sam 17 years earlier, an event that Dean holds himself responsible for. This episode makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, rough. I just can never get over it. Like, Dean is nine. And he's handling a shotgun and he's left to watch Sam alone for like days when this happens. And I like, ugh, God. And and they make they make it a thing to demonstrate that he's even like making dinner for yeah. him. And yeah. and that'll come within an episode we're gonna talk about bad boys, but like that's when you can go on a whole tangent about them and food and it's and it's like it really isn't just about protection it's literally just like you are the dad now yeah but it it makes me upset I think what makes me more upset about this episode as well is that Dean is knowingly putting that other child in kind of the same position and I don't think he obviously likes doing it (laughs) yeah but um the thing about that that always gets me is that the way that he um, puts um, Michael, I think, is that kid's name. It's the two queens kid, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he specifically, like, he asks Michael, like, are you okay doing this? Like, you don't have to, like, I won't be mad if you if you don't want to do it. And that really makes me think, and, like, this is something that I've thought ever since I watched the episode the first time, that John, I think John was using the kids as bait. And I think that's heavily yeah. implied and the way that I, but I don't think he, I, I obviously, I don't think that the kids knew and just the way that, that Dean then spells it out for Michael uh, in the present day, it makes me think that, it, I, I guess it's just another example of, of Dean really not wanting to be like his father. And there's so many moments like that, but specifically, yeah, like him telling Michael what to expect and it's okay if you're if you don't want to do this I won't be mad that really destroys me every time yeah and and another thing that gets me about that is is I do wonder if as he got older he realized exactly what John's goal was 
during that whole incident, and he did realize that they were bait. Yeah, but like, I was gonna say. Yeah, and like I know, I, I know some people will talk about how when they're older and they're they themselves are parents and they were at the hands of abusive parents growing up there's always this back of the mind fear that you will become like your parents and so I can see that you know being in his head which is why I feel like he's other than having to like raise Sam I feel like that's just another way he's so good with kids is that he just like actively consciously makes deliberate choices when it comes to his interactions with kids and so like Cass just said asking Michael if he was okay with it instead of just leaving him there (laughs) and and just being or not even leaving just lying to him and just being like no just stay here it's fine everything will be fine you know that that means a lot to me there's also a, a bit this is a completely different episode but it just made me think of it the um I think it's in Two and a Half Men when he's talking to Lisa, um, the, the episode with the baby, he's he's talking to Lisa about the way he's been acting with her and Ben and like snapping all the time. And he says something like, you tell yourself that you're not going to be something, but my dad was just like this with the that behavior. And that, that's that same sort of thing again. Like it's it's something he's consciously aware of and maybe became consciously aware of later, but... He like he's known that the way that John treated him and treated Sam was not okay. Like he's known <laughs> at least for a long time, if not the whole time. And and I th- I don't know if we talked about it in the last episode or if we just dorked around on Discord just chatting away about it. But basically, certain moments Dean will defend John in certain actions, but like to himself, I think it was that he kind of is rather critical of him. Yeah. But in other cases, he'll be like, you know, no, he was a hero. No, he did the best he could. No, blah, 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 blah. But in other ways, you get, no, he was an ass and, you know, like he couldn't protect his family and he wasn't there, you know. So I, I, this is why I love this show so much and that why other shows can't really step up for characters for me this way because it's not a clear black and white thought process about John when it comes to Dean. And I feel like that's more emulating real life than a, than like a cookie cutter. Like I have forgiven my, my abusive parent. Everything is okay now, you know, like, yeah. 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 It makes me think of how, sorry, just to bring up, you know, a fan fiction in the middle of this, but, and this year living kiss is one of like the best fix that ever dealt with that relationship. So like, even though it was in an alternate universe, the way that they treated the relationship between John and his children was like one of the best, I think, breakdowns of how Dean relates to John, even on the actual show. Yeah. And so it is that sort of in moments when he's just with himself or when somebody else is praising John, he feels fine being the critical person. But if somebody else is trying to, you know, like whenever Sam, you know, is critical, Dean has to be in that position to be like, no, he did the best he could because, you know, there's still that part of him that like, not yeah, loyalty, and- but like, is just. Uh, it's like only I, me, I can criticize John how I want because I was the one who deflected you from like deflected his stuff 
from you and we canonically have that you know in in the show that it is heavily implied that dean took a lot of the the brunt of all of that so it's like sometimes i feel like either it's a, a half defense to defend him just out of habit because he wants everything to be okay but also just one of those like i'm allowed to criticize him because i saw everything firsthand you did not therefore don't 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 mouth off or something like that um i think there's an element as well of it being him of, of dean not wanting to fully admit how victimized he was it's like a defense mechanism within himself so when other people point out hey you were treated horribly you shouldn't have gone through this this was abusive blah 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 he's like oh no no i'm okay yeah (laughs) no no it wasn't that bad i'm fine i'm fine but he's allowed to say within himself you know actually this is messed up but yeah when other people point it out i feel like it's it's it sort of sets up his self-defense of yeah if, if he says, oh, no, it's okay, it wasn't that bad, or he tried his best, that is less of a defense of John and more of self-defense of his own, yeah, like his, how he feels yeah. victimized and doesn't want to feel like a yeah. victim, I think. That was a, how, that's a lot of how I view, like, what he talks about when they meet Henry, too, and his time goes by. Mm, we talked a yeah. lot about that in that episode was, like, a lot of the stuff that he's saying, you know, fe- feels defensive rather than actually true. You know, this Um, is when I go into my Dean Winchester has existential crisis issues tangent throughout the entire show. You can, and especially season 15, this is actually why season 15 is one of my top five favorite seasons. Like whenever his sense of this is what I know is threatened, he will either say something that's maybe on the surface perceived as mean or just lashing out or really defensive or he'll do actions or ignore things in order to keep what little stability whether it was good or bad like like in his head intact so like anyone trying to be like no actually like any well-adjusted person being like your childhood actually wasn't that great like like Take Henderson, for, for example. Like, from the outside, with no supernatural element, John does seem like a very, very sh- uh, not great guy. The description he has of John, like, lives rent-free in my mind, too. Like, from the outside, this is what this looked like. Very paramilitary kind of stuff, right? And yeah, and so, like, and then Dean's, like, defending John because it's it's like, no, stop. I, I, I understand the criticism, but don't derail what little of my life that I have understood and processed. Otherwise I am going to go into a spiral. Yeah. It's like, this is the one thing that he feels like he has control over. Yeah. And I think that's like pretty common too, just with, with people who were abused in childhood, but don't really realize it until later on. And because it might not even be, you know, as extreme as, as what John did to Dean and Sam, but like, forcing your kid to eat dinner until you throw up like that's that's child abuse sorry like there's yeah. spanking your kid is child abuse like there's so many things and it takes a lot to like sit there and be like oh shit like I am to sit there and be like I was a victim I think it's I think the show just does a really good job of portraying yeah. that in Dean yeah and I think too um the the first time that Dean really verbally like acknowledges how awful 
John is, I think is in Dream a Little Dream too, in that like dream sequence where he finally just like lets it loose because he's talking to, you know, a version of himself in his dream. This is the only person he can actually say this to. He can't say it to anybody else. And he says, you know, my father was an obsessed bastard. He dumped all that crap on me. That was his crap. He couldn't protect us. Um, He wasn't there for Sam. It wasn't fair. I didn't deserve what he put on me. And that's like one of the most clear sort of, one of the most clear, like my dad was sucked yeah he sucked I mean, shit it, from, that we ever get from dean yeah and he holds on to that as well because it's really similar to what he says to mary um in uh who we are in season 12 mm-hmm. um, when he's in mary's mind and he says you know i had to be a father i had to be a mother God, um God. it wasn't fair um mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's such a solid through line that he mm-hmm. that it's something he really held on to and, and mm-hmm. believed um also real quick uh, something wicked is the first time, right? That we see a, that's like a flashback, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think it is. I just think that, that. Yeah, I think that's important because first impressions are so important, and for them to make this our first impression of Dean's childhood and yeah. what John put him through, I think they're really trying to set like a precedent of like this guy. <laughs> yeah is an asshole yeah i feel like that's a good place to sort of move on to the next episode that we're gonna touch on which is bad boys which is if i cry please (laughs) please excuse me this episode just gets to me but i'll just give a quick summary for this so in the present day sam and dean investigate a haunting at uh the boy's home that is run by sunny uh where dean briefly stayed when he was 16 it's interspersed with flashbacks to Dean's time at Sonny's, which reveals that he flourished while away from John's influence and the responsibility of taking care of Sam. Eventually, however, John returns and Dean reluctantly makes the decision to return to his family as he feels that someone has to be there to look after Sam. And in the present timeline, they figure out the case and it's all very bittersweet and stuff. So yeah. Oh gosh. This episode. The parallel, the parallel that just came to my head of like Sam being away at Stanford and like going back to Dean reluctantly anyway and like the same way (laughs) (laughs) man um if you want to jump in at all Emma also feel free thanks I wasn't sure like how many voices we should have in these episodes I'm just being a silent I'm like here to shepherd and herd you guys if need be um but something that always gets to me about this episode is at the end when he is so sad to be leaving Sonny's and his dance and his whole world he's built for himself. But he is so happy to see Sam. That responsibility is there, but he's so happy to see his brother too. Like he's laughing and crying all at the same time. And that is what always gets to me. I think that was probably one of the most emotional endings to any of the episodes that have ever aired. And I'm including any of the season 15 episodes too. Like, oh my God, I was crying. And I don't like cry, like when I'm watching. I cry a lot, so I'm not a great judge. But (laughs) (laughs) But, like it was just said, it was like, like he, I love this episode so much, right? I just, it's one of my favorites, one of the top five. And like, it was just said, like, He's laughing, but he's crying. He has a good life at this home now. He has a roof over his head, a father figure who cares about him, a girlfriend, which was so sweet. 
and it was just like all this stuff right it's oh god it's just like his his understanding of responsibility and the job and understanding that if he's not there for Sam then it's not like his father's gonna be or anything outweighs his own wants and desires to just have a normal life and I like want to cry every time oh god I'm gonna cry now thinking about it it is so upsetting to me this episode like in a good way (laughs) (laughs) like going back to the thing that I mentioned in the last episode about food you know he's arrested for shoplifting food how long does John have to be away for for them to run out of food and money to buy food it's like it's and and for John to just say let him rot basically is just like you you yeah. like I I that was when I think I like truly truly could not fucking like stand John Winchester I'm like are you kidding me it's your fault <laughs> like what's wrong with you oh I'm gonna hold my rage in as best as I can <laughs> I think I've said I would hunt John Winchester for sport every episode that we've had so y'all already know <laughs> yeah I think Jen's point about you know this his upbringing sort of teaching Dean that his wants and his desires don't matter. I'm going to tie it back to the prequel now. Um, yeah. Like, so he, he wants to do this for whatever reason. He wants to find this truth about his parents. And he's looking back at parents that he has complicated relationships with John, especially. So he's got to really want to do this for whatever reason. And I'm just curious again, to see like, what he's letting himself you know follow that urge you know presumably for some sort of goal I know that we're not going to find out what it is until later on I'm sure but like I'm just still so curious as to what that angle is going to end up sort of showing us about the prequel and how it's framed well I find it interesting going back to the existential crisis thing about him not wanting Mm -hmm. what he understands to be the truth to really like be shaken he is now choosing i am assuming again we don't know why he's doing it but that's the cool thing because for the longest time he has had this story in his head about how his parents met how it went all this kind of stuff he's even seen it in those episodes and i put it in quotes because i don't know what this prequel is gonna do um but you know he's deliberately now going to upset what he knows and that to me feels like a status quo shift in his head. And that's why I really want to know where he is right yeah. now. I was just going to say the, um, oh, now it's gone. I'm so sorry. No, Something okay. you said, like set off a You're thought. You're officially and now part it's, of the crew now. Losing our thoughts mid-sentence. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It'll come back to me. I'm glad you brought up the status quo thing too, Jen. This is like, this episode is like his first experience with something different that broke his status quo as a kid and like he got to experience that you know real life you know that apple pie life that he talks about a lot and like you know he always says it's not for him he doesn't fit into it but like and maybe not not completely now that he's spent like a whole a whole other like couple decades in in the hunting life but he's still you know it's so funny because I feel like 
the way that you you can describe like Sam's issues and Dean's issues is that Dean is like he embraces this like supernatural life that they're part of, but his issues are very normal person issues. Like they translate very easily to the real world. Sam doesn't at first doesn't mesh well with the hunting life. He doesn't get along with it, but his issues are so supernatural in nature yeah. <laughs> that like, that like there is no real true real life equivalent for it, you know? And I, and I feel like that's part of the reason why Sam ultimately, I don't think would ever really be happy not being involved with the supernatural world in some way. Whereas Dean, I think would actually be, you know, he would find, be able to find some sort of comfort or fulfillment outside of it. Um, and I think this episode makes that. Like, well into the later seasons of the show, yeah. you know, he was the one talking about retirement, life after all of this was Toes done. in the sand, baby. Toes in the <laughs> sand, experiencing something new. I will never forget forget Ugh. that little monologue in the in the confessional. You know, in, God, yeah. in Sam, I feel like as time went on, was more and more like, eh, you know, and I don't know if it's because he has already experienced some of it, but let's be real, college is not real world experience at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it, and that's why I think it frustrates me, especially just to put some salt on the finale a little bit, how Sam was able to one, the one who got to go live a life. Again, I'm putting it in quotes. I know it's a podcast, people can't see me doing quotes but making a quote of a life and dean was just like out like yoink you're done you're you're gone you're out of here and that's why bad boys gets me because yeah he's in a boy's home he's not like in a normal home he's not in a cookie cutter stereotypical thanksgiving home like i'm thinking of sam's memory of having thanksgiving or as jared puts it thanksgiving but it's it's it says Thanksgiving weird, but it's still stability. The poor boy just needs stability, you know, and um, and actually, to go off of he says in the episode and kind of like what Sam does in the after school special episode, he wants doesn't want to follow in his father's footsteps, become a hunter, and would rather become like a rock star or a mechanic, and where he says like cars are like freaking cool as hell fixing them is like a puzzle and the best part about it is when you're done they leave and you're not responsible for them anymore and it's just like he just wants to be like a normal he just wants freedom is what he wants he wants to be free to make his own choices Um, the the thing about him talking about wanting to be a mechanic something that i thought of fairly recently that i feel like i should have that should have clicked for me a long time ago is that he, he talks about at another point I can't think what episode it is he mentions like that his dad taught him everything he knows about cars and I started thinking about him thinking of Bobby as his dad because Bobby is the mechanic like John you know has you know a little a bit of that as well but you know from his from his mother um who also I'm that's another thing I'm looking forward to from from the yes. prequel is oh, yes. getting to see Millie <laughs> But um, <laughs> yeah, but the mechanic part of this just makes me think of Bobby and that 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 his time, you know, growing up when he would get when when John would dump him and Sam at Bobby's house, that that is really the only other time besides Sonny's place that he gets that stability for any amount of time. Um, so that's just another thing from this episode that upsets me. <laughs> yeah. I have a one comment, actually, that I was thinking of looking at Dean as the narrator of the prequel and telling this story for the first time, you 
Bad Boys is an episode where you really realize how much in their childhood, Sam and Dean both relied on John as the narrator for their lives and how their lives yeah. were. Um, because John is their only source of information about Mary. And he's also the one affecting how they even see each other. So Sam didn't know that Dean was at a boy's home. He thought he was off on a solo hunt. This is something that comes up again later in season 14. But it really, it, aside from just being a kid, when you have a fairly you know, narrow worldview, even in under the best of circumstances of what your world is, it really affected how they were able to see each other as siblings and as people. On that as well, I just thought of um, of of Dean saying at some point that the pa- their parents' marriage was only perfect after she died. And that, another little thing yeah. of like the story that they'd been told, none of it was a hundred percent accurate. And so that's another yeah. thing, I guess, that um, I'm really interested to see. Um, yeah, we talked about that with the with the last episode. Yeah, we talked about Dark Side of the Moon, and it's another one of those things, Jen with like the whole existential crisis thing like yeah. Dean presumably knew this already but he didn't acknowledge it until he was forced to you know yeah. so so long as I don't have to see it in front of my face yeah. I can pretend that John wanted to John treating us the way he treated us doing what he did was for a reason right it was all for a reason until he is confronted with the fact that well how much did they actually care about each other because yeah they clearly didn't actually really get along. And even yeah. even in the trailer for the prequel, and I think it was noted in one of these reviews, John doesn't even really have eyes for her. It seems like, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, that handshake was loaded. There's no John and Mary in that, in that trailer for me at all. And so it's like, and I think we had mentioned, like once the, the air and a spare is out, it's like, well, what use of the marriage is there anymore we're done with them us being angels right like we're done we don't need them anymore we're man bye so i want to know why john went and did the things he did if clearly he doesn't even go to to sleep with her like in the pilot he's asleep downstairs watching tv watching specifically watching his war documentary which is another thing that with the prequel i mean that he basically lied to get into the military to go fight in Vietnam. Like that's specifically, that's not, that's not good guy behavior. <laughs> like, no. So there's, there's that element of it as well, that um, even his things that he, you know, projected as being like in the, the way that he treats his military background or the way that it's sort of treated in the show it's often like oh you know dad was in the military like it's a good thing but is it though (laughs) that's me too because i don't know if in the prequel i mean you've seen it i mean the really 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 rough cut of it but i don't know how long or like how long he was obviously in 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 the war for but 1972 it's the the realities of the vietnam war were pretty well not like not well known but it was known by 1972 just how bad it was so anyone who willingly lies at a young age when you still have your smooth baby brain to go over there (laughs) and to like fight and everything it's like what is wrong with you yeah like you're choosing to do this you weren't you weren't drafted or anything you were and you were underage and you went like this isn't like world war ii right you're not captain america it's 
it's literally it's just it's so bizarre to me once I realized like the once they said that in the um in whatever article like that John kind of just like went in there underage or whatever and then you line up with all the military this military that and then Hendrickson's stuff about him being like a survivalist military guy yeah it's like you so it's like yeah maybe maybe drake's john is a is like a little cutie muffin but at the same time yeah it feels like there's this weird sinister like yeah something under the surface there there's like that undercurrent yeah of like yeah like oh yeah sure he's maybe nice to his mother but (laughs) i feel like that ties back to like the way that i see john in in the beginning and song remains the same yeah too where matt cohen plays that balance of like John, you know, on the surface, you know, seems like this really affable, like friendly guy who's got some sort of moral code. And I like, I believe that about him, but he also has those qualities that jump out in moments of tension that are like, oh, that's where JDM John came from. Yeah. Yeah. There's that moment, I think, when Mary goes off and he's really like, you can tell he's really pissy about not being the tough Mm -hmm. guy in the room. So I'm intrigued to see how they balance those things in this yeah maybe we i feel like i'm just keeping an eye on the time Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about because we did touch on how sam and dean view each other a little bit thank you emma um so i feel like after school special is another really interesting episode in terms of how john treats them how the brothers see each other because of it so for anyone who doesn't remember the, the episode, in the present day, the Winchesters investigate a haunting at a high school that they briefly attended as teenagers. Their investigation is interspersed with flashbacks of their youth at school, including Dean's rebellious adolescence and Sam's bonds with a fellow student and the middle school English teacher who inspired him to reject John's plans for Sam's life. I think that's supposed to be high school English teacher. But I just want to say rebellious adolescence, like... I love that mask he has where that comes across. Like, I'm a tough guy. Nothing, I just roll off my back. But it's like, no, you just want to want a hug and yeah. be told you're doing the good job. <laughs> like, that's what you want. This episode is the most John that Dean ever really acted outside of when he's under extreme duress and is lashing out. Yeah. Like, this, this is him trying to me this is him really trying hard to fit the mold that john has given him like he's wearing that jacket in this episode as well like john's jacket already which i think really drums that home like he's very much behaving as john's mini me i think and this is right after bad boys right like this is what a year yeah like a like a year or so after bad boys chronologically this is after bad boys yeah it's not very long after and it's and it's like he's come back from that you know that time away at Sonny's and been like if I need, if I'm going to survive in this life that I'm stuck in, I have to commit and I have to be like my dad. And I think it's it it feels um, watching this episode again after you know watching the entire show that just really jumps out to me even more um, how hard he is trying to be John in this episode when that's normally something that he you know, he rejects even if he does still go along with it. Like, this, I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> I get you. No, it's, in, in in reality, obviously, I know this episode was filmed years before Bad Boys was, but just 
when you watch it chronologically and you go from the softness of mm -hmm. bad boys, like how, like, oh my God, he really is just a child to after school special where, yeah, you're like, yeah, you're a teenager, but you're just a, like a jerk teenager. But um, you can still see underneath that, like this desire to just like, kind of like recoup what he lost. Yeah. Which I think when I did a timeline, it really was like a year or less than a year after this. I mean, before this. But I know the episode is Sam's point of view, but there are some things with Dean that Sam wouldn't have been privy to. So we are kind of seeing a non-Sam, in my opinion, non-Sam narration of Dean's actions. So I think it's also just Dean remembering stuff. And I feel bad because we've mostly been talking about Dean. But Sam, you know, he does struggle to connect with people and they do move around and he said it's like there's third school they've been enrolled in during the school year and 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 what November so the school year is only a couple months old at that point Sam seems very lonely and that also is touched on with his imaginary friend that he had that we get knowledge of in season 11 like for all we talk about Dean being lonely and and kind of like having like this dual role Sam's also in my opinion pretty lonely too yeah. and I go bad for the guy <laughs> I think in a lot of ways Sam's um his ability to connect socially with people was more stunted than Dean's um possibly because Dean protected him so intensely there's there's sort of a thing like I'm I mean this is just like a, a personal thing when I was when I was a kid my younger brother took a really long time to learn how to talk because I would speak for him. Um, like I'd, I'd know what he wanted. Um, so I would just say, oh, he wants this, oh, he wants to do that. And so he just never learned to speak. And so he had to do speech therapy and stuff. And it was <laughs> largely because I would speak for him. And I kind of feel like a lot of Dean's overprotectiveness of Sam when they were children and the way that he related to him, um, I feel like that had an effect on Sam's ability to socialize with people outside of like to actually make friends. Like he makes a, a friend in this episode, but it, it's so, it seems so rare for Sam to make friends. And I feel like it could be tied into, you know, how yeah. protected he is. I feel like it's like, this is like sort of, it's part of my like John Dean Sam thesis. I feel like mm -hmm. it fits really well into this idea that like the issues that, john gave dean and the issues that john gave sam are like in direct opposition to one another oh, yeah. and this is one of those moments where like john parentified dean so early and so intensely that the way that dean relates to sam is more child than brother and i and when he was a yeah. kid dean didn't even really realize it and Sam didn't really realize it either because he doesn't know why Dean is acting like this, yeah. but he's fighting both against John and Dean now yeah. because he's being, you know, what he sees is like being babied and being overprotected yeah. or like not yeah. being. And I find it interesting because I do think Dean's, you know, overprotectiveness or like his, his shielding Sam from like the worst of John in some ways, uh, like, it allowed Sam to form his own personality and like know who he is. But in some, in so many other ways, Sam, his, like his thing is about what 
he is. This is my other thesis on the brothers. Like, because like, because his issues are very supernatural in nature and like he feels impure, he feels separate from the rest of his family too. Because like, you know, John is gone and treats him a particular way. And then like, he feels like, like a, you know, like he doesn't get to be anybody with Dean, you know, Mm -hmm. that like he, I don't know, it like, all of this stuff affects how he relates to other people and how yeah. he makes friends. And basically it's that he doesn't make friends and well into adulthood too, which is yeah. just so sad, like yeah. so upsetting. Yeah. That's why I loved the, I'm not even a Sam girl. Like I'm very much a Dean girl, but I love Sam. And that's why I loved the imaginary friend episode in season 11 oh, yeah. so much. It's such a good episode. And it gave this like really nice interiority to Sam that we didn't get enough of in late seasons. Well, no, because I, I was about to say, you know, Sam never had a cast. And then I was reminded that I think it was just Jared just doesn't have that kind of a chemistry with anyone. And no one really stuck around. And he came close with, um, that's why like in the late seasons, it was new people that would like let Jared like shake things up a little bit. Yeah. Like Ruth, his scenes with Ruth are always so good. Like he has these yeah. moments where I'm really like, wow, that was awesome. Like, yeah. you know, his scenes with Ruth are always incredible. I always think of the one from various and central villains in the car. Oh yeah. <laughs> I oh yeah. When they're talking about the, uh, the Lucifer. <laughs> and then like, even like scenes with, his scenes with Eileen earlier on are yes. also really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like him with, with Jody. I feel like they have a good, oh, yeah, like, no, like him good with, like, with Kim Rhodes. Like, great. That was my favorite. That's yeah. one of my favorite Robbie episodes. It's so good. Yeah. Time after time. Yeah. Literally one of my favorites. I just really. like when they, I feel like he was at his best when they would shake things up. Like, like American Nightmare. He was so good in that. Oh yeah. That's my favorite episode. Cause like he was interacting with new people and he got his own kid to be protective of. And yeah. like, I don't know. I wish they'd done more, yeah. more with that. Cause like, he's got all these like, light, like he's prickly and he's angry and like he, yeah. it can be really callous and mean sometimes, but then like, there's all this like warmth and hope and he like wants to do the right thing. And like, I just, I love him. Well, also with Sam, like going back to just like his friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the dog Cass won't shut up now. Cass really agrees with what we're saying. <laughs> Dog Cass is upset that human Cass is talking about the show. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, um, wait, wait. I just need to mention Castiel. Okay, now we've got the yes, full. Castiel. Cass, yeah. Like, like look at his dog Cass with one S versus Cass with two S is who's talking about this now. But um, another thing with Sam and and Sam, I'm, I'm trying to back, tra- like, it's hard because it's witching hour in my brain right now um can i pop in with a comment yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i'm i'm a dean girl but i'm also a younger sibling so i always feel a deep affinity with sam just because of who i am as a person uh (laughs) but i i'm so pleased that you guys were just talking about all the really important relationships that sam does find later in the series with rowena with eileen and with magda and i think it's also really interesting not necessarily with Eileen but with the other two it is relationships with people who other people are scared of Rowena is a villain when she gets first introduced and she's very powerful and Magda's family is so afraid of her in a very similar way that John was of Sam and even though 
John didn't come straight out and say, like, I think my child's the devil. I think my child is evil. He was telling this to Dean, giving Dean his disorders. But Sam can still pick up on all of these things. And I think, you know, early season Sam is such so much like a puppy, but he's also you know, Jared's physicality, like he's so tall. And I think Sam is so very conscious of that at all times of like how big and intimidating he can be and very scared of scaring people. And like these feelings of being toxic or dangerous or impure, it just hurts my heart. Well, one of, one of my favorite things actually is, and I'll, I'll credit Jared for this, is, is how big he is, but this ability for him to appear very small. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, but um, early that time. <laughs> but kind of going off of that, what I remember, what I was going to say with his friendships early on, we know that Sam's life was really. I mean, all of their lives. Not like by the end of the show, we we know that all their lives were kind of orchestrated. But we know that Sam's friendships, at least in college, were directly interfered with. Right? Brady was a demon. Jessica was a setup, right? All that kind of stuff. So I wonder if during his childhood, it was also the same in a way. Mm. And he subconsciously could, because he is the more supernaturally one, and like like it was stated already, his issues were more supernatural based. He could pick up on that, which is why it got led to the distrust this and I can't make connections that and I feel mm. too different not like way apart from just being a hunter but like I'm different in some other way that I can't pin down right now all this kind of stuff so yeah. I feel bad for Sam because as much as Dean didn't have friends either it, it's it's you know I feel like I, I wish I just want like a glimpse into Stanford era Sam I want to yeah. know how we came across those friends and how he felt and if he was battling that whole like also I'll even probably just account it to like friendship imposter syndrome like I have these friends but do I really have these friends like are they really my friends and it turns out that they weren't um so you know I I always cry about how like how lonely Dean must have been especially when Sam went off to college but I feel like it's not like Sam's a social butterfly you know no like at all <laughs> he pretends to be well adjusted but he's not no no and I don't have a sibling I don't have a sibling I'm, not, I'm an only child but I feel like I'm sorry Emma but I feel like season one and two Sam is the most little sibling Sam you can get and I remember when I saw like a gift set or a, no it was just like a still photo set on tumblr I think it was in Phantom Traveler where Dean's on the phone and Sam's just like crowding around him trying to like listen and trying to like, <laughs> and someone was like, this is the most little sibling behavior I've ever witnessed in my life. <laughs> and I was like, can confirm, can absolutely confirm. <laughs> I'm the older sibling. So like yeah. I can confirm from the other side. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's like, I feel, I feel bad for Sam in a lot of ways because it really wasn't, I feel like, like, he could pick up girls, right? Like, Dean had to, like, make an effort, and a lot of the times he struck out. But, like, Sam, they just kind of gravitated towards him, which, fine, cool, he can get a girlfriend, right? But And then um, they all died. And they all died, <laughs> much like all of Dean's boyfriends, and I guess I'm going to say that. But, you know, 
he can't ever like seem to just hang on to a friend and even Rowena dies, right? So, yeah. and he has to, I'm sorry, Sam having to kill Rowena was probably like the saddest, also one of the other saddest things I've ever had to witness. I didn't life. even know who Rowena was the first time I watched that episode because I watched season 15 with like zero context before mm. the finale aired because I believed that they were going to do it. <laughs> Um, and I sobbed during that scene. I like didn't know who she was, and I was crying yeah. during yeah, that scene because it, it was just so. Because yeah. it was like for the first time, other than I, but like since Eileen was set up as like a love interest, you were kind of just like, okay, friendships kind of defaulted, right? But yeah. the reason why I like Sam and Rowena's relationship, whatever it was, so much was because, like it was just stated, she was introduced as a villain, and with time, she became kind of like a trusted member of the group and really like Sam's really only friend like let's be real like her his closest friend at least and so him having to kill her just like all the other women die in his life it's like I feel really bad for him man just to tie this back to the prequel a little bit because I thought of this we've talked about this in a couple of the other episodes we've recorded is um you know mary and john in in the beginning in the those two like you know time travel episodes they they themselves seem quite isolated which is like mm. such an interesting juxtaposition next to them seemingly having this like crew of people in the prequel and i'm curious to see how much of like you know the mirroring happens with the characters like how how lonely and or friendless John seems to be before he finds these people, how these relationships end up playing out because, you know, we, like, who were these people? We didn't know anything about them. Obviously it was because, you know, the show started in 2005 and the prequel's happening now, but like, what is going to be the explanation for why Dean didn't know who Carlos were or where they are now, if they're still alive, you know? Yeah. So like, I'm curious to see how those sort of ex- like friendships and external relationships are going to mirror like some of these issues that Dean and Sam have. Yeah. Um, I feel like the sort of last thing to touch on with the John stuff is how much of his treatment of them is told through negative space, basically. Like, Which is what the show sells on, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Um, so like both him literally not being there, but people talking about them and also the things that are left not said as explicitly, you know, things that aren't said, but heavily implied, which happens a lot, like a lot throughout the show. Um, yeah. one of the, one of those examples is in nightmare. I think everyone remembers yeah. that. And when Sam's like, Oh yeah, that wasn't that bad. At least it wasn't like these guys. And then like, you know, Dean's just like, uh, yeah, uh-huh and then he just like like gets in the car and then like in dark side of the moon when he's recalling the punishment that clearly he received for his yeah. and his watch that look was terrifying oh yeah right and he, then, he does like um, a full shudder in that like it's not it's not even yeah. that subtle look he's like he's oh, like no. i want to tell you but i'm not going to because it's going yeah. to upset you look um yeah. and and then like in and Mamma Mia, Mary, you know, reminiscing about John and says that he was a great father and, and Dean doesn't look, you know, too happy about that either. And then and then you get like what every, everyone else was saying, basically, but that was more direct. Um, yeah. And it, it, but then they, you get stories about like 
John rescuing Dean from clearly being drugged at a club or whatever. And it's like, or wherever he was. And it was just kind of like, I guess a broken clock is right twice a day. So, and, and like, I know it hasn't ever kind of really been, um, really been explained how exactly, other than like the neglect abuse, physically or emotionally, how abusive he could be. Other than like the quick moments that we saw, where he was talking to his kids. I think one of the closest moments or more explicit moments we get is in Bad Boys when Dean has our handprint oh, yeah. bruises the up bruiser. and down his arm yeah. that he brushes off as a werewolf, which continuity error or not, we know they didn't actually ever see werewolves until the present day of season two. So why does 16-year-old Dean have these bruises? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in the episode too, like it's the way it's framed is that he's lying about yeah also like I don't think it I think I think especially because Adam Glass is like one of my favorite Dean writers um yeah so uh it was definitely a moment where like the implication yeah it's like it's not verbally he didn't hit me but between the like that the look the look in Dark Side of the Moon is not a look you get if if a parent is just if if a parent yells yells at you right yeah and and same thing with the the whole concept with with nightmare was that that father and his and his brother were physically abusive to that child and so at the end of the episode when sam's kind of comparing john to them and dean like kind of has that look like i'm not going to touch this right now and like walks away that all that combined with bad boys and the bruises it's it's like we never, like, with the negative space, we never do get a verbal confirmation of any of this. And I think I think Bad Boys is really the closest we get to he did lay a hand on them, which is sad. Obviously, yeah. that's a big understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you get, too, at the be- I think it's the beginning of season 12 in the- for this episode, right? Or is it the end where Tony says this? Uh Tony Bevel, she says, after you died, she's talking to Mary, your beloved John was a man slowly going mad, searching for revenge. You know, they didn't tell you. Weeks of abandonment, drunken rages, which I feel like drunken rages has a specific connotation to it. Yeah, yeah it's not just yelling. Yeah. Um, and then she says child abuse, really. And it, like, actually, I think that's, like, the one time it verbally gets, like, said out loud. That from and It's from an outside character who's trying to use it as, like, a cudgel. But, like, it's not not true. It's like all of his behavior encompassing his yeah. child abuse. But like yeah. when you hear child abuse, you also think physical abuse a lot of the times. So like that's, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> so when Tony goes like, you know, after you died, you know, the boys didn't tell you drunken rages. Oh, and that's another thing. Sorry. I just lost my train of thought because I had another one. Um, is, is Dean and, and, and Sam really not going into detail kind of what they had to deal with in vivid detail? Yeah, we have Dean's whole thing in, in, in that episode and all this kind of stuff. But, like, she, I don't feel like she ever really got the message, right? Other than Tony saying this. no one, She never really got the message from her own children, like, how he wound up. And that, combined with, like, the prequel, there's some thought that's happening in my head right now that I can't really voice clearly at the moment. But there's just some connection there that's just kind of, like, I'm like following, I'm following you there. Yeah. I can see it. I, yeah. think, I think my brain is doing the whole, don't give Mary, 
an existential crisis as well because we all know that <laughs> being in Harrier mirrors, right? And mm-hmm. so she wants her life to be a specific way, a certain way, and and any shakeup to that is. Mm-mm. And I feel like you really got that near the end of season twelve with her. Um, yeah. And even the fact that she went in her heaven is with John and the boys, right? So she just wants this, like, mm, this one little... Yeah, I think she, I mean, it's, again, because of her and Dean being such strong mirrors for each other, um, I wonder how much of her, um, like, positive memories of John is like, you know, Dean rewriting his memories because they're too painful. You know, when he came out of purgatory and he rewrote yeah. what happened he does um, that, at the so. end. Like, he does that. I mean, that's not the only time he does that that we know about. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder how much of it is a defense mechanism that maybe he learned from Mary. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, from Dark Side of the Moon, we know that she and John had, you know, had arguments where John had moved out for a while. So it's it's not like... It's not like when Mary came back to life that she didn't have memories of her relationship with John being kind of shitty, but she's got like this rose, rose-colored glasses way of looking at the memory, like to make make it maybe more palatable. Um, I wonder if that's what happened with John too. More palatable, yeah. one less thing to deal with now. Like coming yeah. back into the world, also like like there's already too much. Like I can't even think about this right now. Like I need yeah. to look at what's right in front of me and not what I came from. You know? Yeah. So. Especially, yeah, like you said, she just came back after being dead for 30 plus years. Or yeah, whatever. and it doesn't even feel like yeah. it for her either. Yeah. You know? No. So. All of a sudden she's confronted with these grown men and yeah. she is made aware that the life that she thought her kids were going to have, they didn't have at all. And if anything, it was her worst nightmare come true. And the fact that her husband wasn't the best. And yeah. yeah. And so having to like, it's, it, it, it says a lot to me that she just consistently, after she's revived, both in There's Something About Mary and in her heaven, I believe it is, she goes back to this one specific part of her life where she has two kids and they're very little and that's it. That's yeah. that's all where she yeah. wants to stay. That's, that's one little yeah. corner of her life. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me. <laughs> and very sad. Oh, Mary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, if you want my final thoughts on John, we'll be sitting here for another hour and it's just going to be me talking about how much I hate John Winchester. Uh. <laughs> so lots of rage towards when John, didn't Eric Kripke give him his middle name? Isn't it John Eric Winchester? Isn't that his name? I don't need that information. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like that is the truth, but also I could be making something up right now. I, I anyway, really actually wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, definitely not no, surprised. I mean, this is the man who names his main character after his wife. So. Yeah, someone needs to check Anyway, mostly feelings of rage towards one John Winchester right now. Um, I feel like that's a, an important thing to note, by the way, for anyone who may be watching this and we're on the, oh, they're going to apologize. They're going to make the show's going to be a John apologist show. It's kind of like, like, I don't think it's going to do that. First of all, you don't know what this show is going to contain because the pilot hasn't even aired yet. And then second <laughs> of all, it's like those of us, like we have a whole podcast directed about this and we don't like what John Winchester became, right? Like clearly we just spent over an hour just complaining about him, right? <laughs> so I feel like that's an important thing to note that we're excited for the prequel, but much like Matt Cohen's John, it's kind of like. It's a different John. 
it's yeah. it's the origin story. <laughs> I, I, I've been saying it's like the Anakin Skywalker story. You know? Oh, yeah. I feel like a good place to end this little bit on is this quote from episode from season 11, All in the Family, where Chuck comes back. And Dean says, well, this scene also, I'm obsessed with this scene. It's the most Jewish Chuck I've ever seen. And I actually got to say that to Rob once, and it was very exciting. Anyway, um, <laughs> from where I sit, Dean says, from where I sit, it feels like you left us and you're trying to justify it. And Chuck says, I know you had a complicated upbringing, Dean, but don't confuse me with your dad. I'm sorry, Chuck. You're the reason why he had a tough upbringing. That's his your fault, you jackass. Also, just like to think about, like, in terms of, like, Chuck and, like, you know, fate and the narrative and, like, where this prequel might go and the John Chuck mirroring. Anyway, throw that out the there. The John Chuck mirroring is uh, is something that I've been thinking about a lot the last yeah. week or so. Um, yeah. Yeah, that quote in particular. Um, because of the... Uh, the optimism of, of early Chuck and the optimism of early John compared to the mm-hmm. sinister undercurrent um, for both of them is something yeah. I'm especially fascinated yeah. by. Nine days, guys. Yes. You, you know you know how Disney, like, there was that whole thing about, like, Walt Disney had a complicated relationship with his mother, therefore he killed all the mother figures in all of his movies, which is like, well, no, because a lot of the times they were based off of fairy tales that already had the mom's dead, but anyway, it's like, Kripke, what did your father do to you? Like, yeah. <laughs> Kripke, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> Blink twice. <laughs> um, um, and then just to like, we're going to end on something a little bit lighter. Um, we have theories from listeners who sent them in for the show because we've been talking a lot about ours and we wanted to hear what you had to say. So we don't have, we've got a few. I'll just take the first one to share from Klutzy Girl. Um, uh, this theory is about like, you know, how Dean is, you know, you know, telling this story, but their theory is Jack and or Cass resurrect Dean and send him back in time to 1972 to find out the truth about John and Mary. Maybe he even needs to avert another apocalypse. Um, I remember that apocalypse thing. I forgot which one of us or you or someone said, oh no, it was Lydia. It was you. Uh, (laughs) Oh, the first draft thing. The first run of an apocalypse is like the dry run of yeah. apocalypse um and it's just beta like run beta right over and over and over again yeah. so you can execute order number 66 um, <laughs> this one is from salty dean stan on twitter robbie is the biggest clue as to how the winchesters will handle supernatural canon a lot of his episodes were meta story within a story high concept and involved time travel or realm switching and the truth of the story isn't going to be straightforward at all I wonder if there will be different versions of Mary and John's past. We'll see all of them, and they'll conflict based on who's telling the story or who's manipulating it. It could be like The Princess Bride, where you see the storyteller arguing with his grandson over the story, and it affects what happens between the princess and Wesley. It should be noted that this is a favorite movie of Jensen's. Good taste. I've never seen it. Um, oh my god, you have to watch it. It's so anyway. Sorry, sorry. I've even seen it. <laughs> Tangent. But. You just stunned me. But you have. We, we should do. We should do a movie night. Yes. Watch the <laughs> so goes on to say. Uh, so instead of just being shown the past narrated, the past narrated by Dean, they could be more meta, breaking the fourth wall with the past story by having different versions of their meeting, changing the story of Mary and John one episode after another based on who's telling it to Dean or what he discovered himself. Dean's journey is figuring out what the truth is to all of these different versions. Not sure why, though. 
I like that, Sherry. And I feel like that's where a lot of people are. If I was making this show, that's the way I'd go. So that that I feel like that kind of sort of like what I was trying to say last episode, where it sounded like I was on drugs, where it was like (laughs) Dean gets like pulled into like John or Mary's heaven, but it's like they're shown all of the realities. Yeah, that mixed with this. Well, no, I I like it because it also reminds me of like Tall Tales, and it'll be interesting because it's yeah, you're showing us all these unreliable narration stuff. Who's the real narrator? Who's the truthful one, right? Like, I can't even trust Dean's telling me the right thing. So I like that. And, like, it would be interesting if that, like, certain moments just keep getting a a just sketch, like, erase done and just redo it. Okay, so uh, from Yvonne, I just finished listening to your discussions on season four, episode three, and it occurred to me on a rewatch that when In the Beginning aired, the plot arc was still focused on demons and the special children. This episode does a lot of work to pivot whatever the planned arc was for the special kids slash demon army into the angel slash demon apocalypse arc, which as I understand it was not originally planned for seasons four and five, question mark. Um, In any case, we find out later in season four that Azazel gets orders from Lucifer to find the special child, Sam, in 72, which is the year the Winchesters is set. So my prediction is that we are going to get a better idea on how Azazel is looking for these kids. He seems to have met Mary for the very first time in, in the beginning. And who else is involved in the search? I put a little note at the end there too about when we got that poster drop with the hand, with the creature hands and the heart and the supernatural love story. And I was like, love this idea, especially if we get like new creature designs and stuff too. Yeah. It seems like they're going yeah. not just some guy with their creatures and monsters and whatever, which I think is going to help the show yeah. a lot. I have to look something up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a night. I just had a thought and it's going to bug me. I like that prediction. Same. Yeah, I like that. I like that theory. Okay, okay, there we go. I am I I was I I always get like numbers confused in my head. Azazel kills all those nuns and talks to Lucifer for the first time in 1972. So it would be nice. Hmm. So it is it would be cool. I mean, again, I don't know what they're gonna obviously do with this show, but it would be cool if we could see more of Azazel just because yeah, personally, I think out of all of the demons, it didn't turn into like friends of the boys he was one of my favorites and i would just love to have him back but also i do want to know why now why 1972 like i think that ties well into like lydia's first draft theory also like Mm. like it's now because this is chuck's first attempt at maybe it was supposed to be john was supposed to be the special kid who knows and then and then he was like nope you got to put it back in the oven because yeah. we need, we need yeah. another generation on the family tree and then we can do it yeah <laughs> john doesn't have any siblings so yeah, yeah. we know yeah i actually meant to mention that earlier as far as we know john's an only child and he has a single mother as a as a parent he only has one parent so i don't know if for him growing up He's always had this in the back of his mind that a parent will do whatever they have to do, you know, whatever. He just misapplied that. He didn't apply that to his own kids. He just applied that to something else. Um, But anyway, sorry, that was an interjection. She has two more parts. Okay, so two parentheses. I didn't know that the writers originally wanted to focus on John in um, season four, episode three. And although I am really happy that Supernatural ended up exploring Mary's character in detail, 
uh, one of my favorite things about later season Supernatural is Mary. I, so true of you. I think the prequel will explore John's war uh, PTSD and how it shapes who he became in the future. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, predictions, um, part two from Yvonne. Uh, what if the angels, uh, Cupid's interference, caused John to fall so much in artificial love with Mary that it caused him to spiral into the revenge-obsessed man that we see in OG Supernatural after Mary's death? I would prefer John's evolution into the man we see in Supernatural to be caused by his own decisions, but I can also see a heaven interference explanation with a drastic change in pre- and post-Mary's John, Mary's death, John. That's I think there's a way for these things to like work together also. Yeah. Too. We were talking about that. Like, cause like what God can like, God can like specifically dictate things. We've seen that, but then also God can like nudge people. And there's a couple options that they can take that'll get them to the same place, but they don't know it, you know? So like John can be making his own choices, but also not knowing that it's part of like a bigger, a bigger thing. One thing that occurs to me is, yes, I know in canon he didn't know anything about the supernatural and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, half of me was like, does he have revenge because he wants to know how he wound up in this position? Like, Mary died and it's like, oh, what the fuck? I thought that we were going to be fine, right? Like, the angels told us we were going to be fine. And Mm. now she died. So now what killed her and what is going on it's like not even about mary at all it's sort of just like what is this underlying story um obviously with what we know about john right now in supernatural canon i don't think that's the case but i feel like the prequel could set something like that up where upon seeing his wife burn on the ceiling and having some knowledge even though we're not privy to it at the time uh that you know Yes, they were warped, but they'll be fine. They were told that their union would save the world, and now Mary's dead. So what the hell is going on? What's the real answer? What's going on here? So him finding the thing that killed mom may not be because he was so in love with her, but because he's like, this wasn't what I was told was going to happen, and now no one's telling me the truth, you know? I wonder as well, like, because of you saying... I mean, you just said the truth, um, which is kind of what I was going to mention. The, um, the you know, went to went to Missouri and found the truth or learned the truth or whatever it is that he writes in his journal. Um, you know, I wonder, I wonder how much of the truth was was you know monsters exist and how or how much if it's possible that we'll find out that actually the truth involves him having been involved before. Like he learns, wait, I I've had this history that's been erased somehow. He sees Missouri. Uh, that, what does Missouri know? I really yeah. hope they bring Miz, like Missouri. I really hope show. Missouri comes back. Like I, I like want to see Bobby be... and Rufus. I want to see Rufus. Oh, yeah. I want to see all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that just sort of pinged in my head. Like, wait, we yeah. could. I mean, because that's something that can like that. I don't think that that wouldn't like break canon to have to have no, Missouri having told him, would. oh, actually, you did have this past in this stuff before that's maybe yeah. been erased from your memory. Because it's not like mind wiping is a new concept within this universe. It it would be very, very, very fascinating to me if those are the cracks that this team is kind of wiggling around. Kind of like, what were the words here and how can we intentionally flip its meaning to mean something completely entirely different? 
I, so yeah, I, I really like that. Like, like Yvonne saying, like, you know, causing him to spiral into the revenge obsessed man. I can see that. And then if you tweak it a little bit, I wonder if it's revenge for himself as well, because he does know the truth. Like, yeah. why do you have to go see a psychic to know that they're and and another thing? Why would he go to a psychic right after that? Right? Like, what would compel you yeah. to go see a random psychic? Like, unless you have prior interaction with her, it could be that sh- that his wife was burning on the ceiling and he did see it, and he's like, "How the fuck is she on the ceiling?" <laughs> No, that's regular. That's regular. That's just a regular thing. Like, <laughs> it's just it's it's one of those things. It's like, sure, yeah, maybe there is a plausible explanation, but also yeah. because it's why not, is this it, the first thought? It's yeah. because we don't know yeah. John's thoughts about going there. They can yeah. play with that and give him a reason to go there. And I would be fascinating if they did that. Yeah. And then the last story we have. Cass, why don't you take that one just because it's really fun and I think it's a good last one. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is from Page Like a Page on Twitter. Morning, I have a hopelessly hopeful and reckless prediction for the Winchesters. Cass will make an appearance at the end of season one, getting viewers hyped for season two. It doesn't even have to be a full cameo. Maybe a mention, maybe a hint, a knock at a door, a barn scene entrance shot. Personally, I'd love to see a cliffhanger like Dean is wherever, writing in his journal or narrating. And we hear a knock at the door, see him open it, but the camera is just on his face, so we don't see who he's talking to when he says, I was hoping it would be you. Uh, And then the episode cuts out, and we're left wondering who it was, Sam, Cass, or someone else. Then at the start of season two, we find out it's Cass. Page, page like a page. I hope you know you can't see you. You're all (laughs) smiling like idiots right now. Emma's face on the screen she was like covering her mouth with her hand like <laughs> okay because the the last episode uh, I produced and was on recording for was a while ago but it was I mentioned Veronica Mars like four times which is so funny because it's the most I've talked about Veronica Mars in like a decade yeah and this is how the first season of Veronica Mars ends and the reason I'm still obsessed with it all these yeah. years later is because I think it fundamentally changed my brain yeah and so if I saw this now with Dean and Cass I would not I would not survive I (laughs) yeah I come from a a different perspective but I'm not going to oppose to seeing Cass (laughs) all in any way shape or form yeah (laughs) I'm I'm some people know this already I'm very much against Cass being in heaven so if Dean's in heaven I don't want to see him unless and there's a big unless there he himself is like manifesting <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh <laughs> but that that goes into like a whole deep rant that i'm not gonna get into this is long enough but i mean i would love i love those kinds of finale enders where it's a non upsetting cliffhanger yeah <laughs> but it does shift your perspective yeah, right? of the show yeah. and so it's cliffhangers like that that give you time during the hiatus to really like go back and rewatch and inspire you yeah, chewing yeah, on all exactly. of these possibilities it's like like did they leave hints like who is this like i would that would be cool like i love mystery cliffhangers i don't like tragic cliffhangers i like mystery cliffhangers. Yeah. i i i love that whole like scene that page like spelled out though because mm-hmm. like, i think we all saw that perfectly in our brain like, i know here. <laughs> I just want to hear the hello, Dean. I know. Hello. 
Oh recklessly hopeful but isn't that fun sometimes and, yeah. and is it real, like my thing is is like after seeing jensen's reaction to like why did you put the barn scene in the trailer um yeah his, I, answer, his complete lack of an answer to the question yeah yes. his complete <laughs> non-answer and stumbling over his words um <clears throat> i don't know i after the finale, I hate to be hopeful about Cass because I was convinced that that man was going to come back. Um, but <laughs> it's really, they're pushing me. Yep. As, as long as we all <laughs> responsibly, as long as we're practicing responsible yes. clowning, we'll be fine. No, responsible <laughs> clowning. That's our thing here. You know, responsible clowning. Like, it took what? us a while to bring, I feel like it took us a while to even bring up the like Destiel Cass angle of this too. Cause we were like, well, we know that it's got, not going to be about this, you know, but yeah. like, yeah. But, but do we know? But, <laughs> and like, I feel, I feel like going back to like that convention answer, obviously I know someone who, who's been like, eh, yeah, I didn't really feel like he actually knew what was going on, but then other people going like, no he it was weird and then watching it it's just kind of like i, I know you know how to choose it. your words carefully when you want to and the fact that he didn't just go i have no idea what you're talking about and just end the answer yeah. was yeah. or just say oh you know that shouldn't have been there yeah it's not nothing to do with anything there. like he didn't just shut it down he, he you know, asked another question he back. asked another question like was that the only one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so I, I imagine like there are logical explanations, obviously. Maybe, maybe indeed he did not know that. But again, as long as like yeah. what we said, responsible clown. Yeah. yeah. Clown yeah. responsible. I just have not forgotten his and Daniil's like smirky little response oh, when odd stiff angels also, would make an appearance. Daniil Castgirl Ackles being a producer on the show, yeah. really think we yeah. really think that there won't ever mm -hmm. be a mention of him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. He also said he would like make Misha bring his own trench coat when in that other <laughs> interview. Like I'm, yeah. This is yeah. not helping any of us be cl clown responsibly, but that's all right. That's, <laughs> I, I'm a fan of remover has been knocked off the counter. <laughs> like, no longer here. I feel like that's a it's a good place to to leave it for today. So before. Before we leave you guys this week, uh, we have a little quick announcement to make, which is that our schedule is changing. Um, our episodes are going to start dropping on Mondays instead of Thursdays once the Winchester premieres on the 11th. That means that our first recap and review episode will go live on Monday the 17th of October because we all have you know things we do outside of this podcast. Um, and so we wanted to give ourselves enough time to get a good episode together for you all. Um, and for every episode that gets released. So we figured Monday, right before the next episode, Eris was a good, convenient day to drop. Thank you so much, Cass, for joining us today. It was yeah. a blast to have you and to talk to you about Supernatural and like the wealth of knowledge you have on it after being in <laughs> fandom for so long. Um, well, thank you guys for, yeah, yeah, for inviting me. It was awesome. As always, thanks for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for tuning in for our preseason warm-up with this Jerry Natural series. We hope you enjoyed it, and we can't wait to start watching the Winchesters with you all. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>